Let's get in today's message. Um, turn with me if you brought your Bible or you're on, you're online, uh, you're on um, electronically, whatever that is. Okay, um, to, to Matthew chapter seven, and we're going to start in uh, just several verses here, which I've read before. Before the the title of this message is is um, is called that day. And it's the title of a message I was going to bring up until Friday afternoon. I was stirred up. I was stirred up in my spirit. There's so many things that are being posted online, so many positions people have taken, that, that, and, and even with these issues we talked about this morning, that but people never bother, don't bother to go find out what God's Word says. And even if they find what God's Word says, they don't, want to let, they don't let it interfere with what they believe. So the church today really does not understand the authority of God's Word. So I was, the message was, and I'm going to read down through the Scripture now, um, because I want to show you why that was in there. Okay. Now this is the end of the first sermon that we know that Jesus delivered. So this is the first, and this is, He didn't deliver this to the crowd. If you look carefully at the beginning of this message, He delivered this message to His staff his disciples. These are the instructions that he's giving to his disciples at the beginning of their ministry with him. And he's talked about, the, basically it's, it's the constitution of the kingdom of God. It's the rules under which God's kingdom operates, and they're challenging rules. And he comes to the end of these, talks about forgiveness, praying for those that don't like you, that, that despitefully use you. He talks about uh, not doing your fasting and your prayer in publicly so people give attention to you. He's talking about all these things, and now he says to them, and these are the words that the church needs to hear, not everyone who says to me, listen to this, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you have a, a red-letter Bible that tells you Jesus said these words. But I thought if we just call on the name of the Lord, it's not just calling on the name of the Lord, it's having Him be Lord. That's what Lord means. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at this. But he who does, not believes in, not talks about, not gets excited about, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22. Many of you will, many will say to me on that day, and that was the title, on that day. That means there's going to be a that day. I, I've, uh, I, I'm sure you've had the experience, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it, of, uh, of talking to somebody, you know, we ought to get together. Yes, let's, someday, let's get together. Someday, you know, well, I'm going to do that someday. I'm be 75 years old next month, and so I've been through 75 different yearly calendars. I didn't know many of them, but I was through all. I have never found on any one of those calendars that date, someday. (laughs) So we use someday as a way of picking that date. But the point Jesus is making here is there is coming that day. And we'll talk about that maybe down the road. And I was going to talk to you about, be careful I don't do it, talk to you about the, the, the reality that that day is coming. So Jesus is saying that many will say to me on that day, that means on that day, we're going to have to answer to him for some things. And they're going to say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? 
Jesus, on that day when we have to give an account, I did all these things for you and I did all these wonderful things in your name. And look what Jesus' answer to them. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And here's the key. You who practice lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness means I'm my own law. I decide for myself what's right and wrong, and regardless of what God's Word says, I decide what's right and wrong. And the internet right now is filled with Christians who are deciding for themselves and influencing other people with what they believe is right and wrong, and it's not based on God's Word. And Jesus will say to you on that day, I don't care that you called me Lord, Lord, you did not do the will of my Father. Many will say to him, but Lord, we came to church. Lord, we tithe. Lord, I was a leader in the church. Lord, I was a pastor. Lord, I did all these things and I did them in your name. And you'll say, but depart from me because you didn't do it You weren't submitted to my Father's will and His word. You were doing what you thought was right for Him. By the way, the root to that goes back to the Garden of Eden because the very thing Satan came in to separate them from their God, their Creator, was to get them to decide for themselves what was good or evil, to eat of that tree. That is the root of all sin because when I decide for myself what's God and what's not God, when I decide for myself what's good and right, I am putting myself in direct competition with God's authority over my life. That's the message I was going to bring. All right? By the way, 1 John 3, 4 defines sin as lawlessness. Sin is not defined by your actions. That's the fruit of your lawlessness. The root of sin is lawlessness. I'm going to do what I want to do. And see, that can be like a stubborn child. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But it can also be an experienced Christian who says, I'm going to do what I think God's telling me to do regardless of what the Bible says. In other words, God's Word and God's will are not the authority in my life. And I was all ready to bring that message. And I had a bunch of issues to get into. We may at some point, because it was a legitimate message. And as I was reading through this and actually watching a video that, that my son gave me, God began to deal with me. That's never fun. God began to deal with me about that message. And Lord, this is message is not for me. This message is for the congregation. And God began to deal with me about an issue in my life that's the same issue in many of our lives. And then I began to realize I spent, we spent much of last year studying Jesus' initial call, which is to come, follow me. And I saw at that time there was a second part to this series, and then with all the pandemic and everything, I kind of forgot about it. 
And then I realized Friday afternoon as this was piercing in my heart and opening me up that that what we're going to talk about today is really the second part of what God was telling me to talk about last year. So to get into this, the question then is what Jesus said is, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, but who's going to get in? Those who do the will of my Father. Not those who do things for my Father, not those who do good things, those who do the will of my Father. So the next logical question then is, what is the Father's will? And I'm glad you asked that question, because that's the rest of the message, and maybe next week. So let's go to John chapter 15, because we've just seen Jesus ending His very first sermon to them with those instructions. Now we're going to look at some of the last things He said to them before they went to the cross. Everybody online with me? Say amen online. Okay, good. All right. Just want to let you know we're aware you're there and grateful for you there. So Jesus begins this chapter 15. We're not going to show it, but we're going to, He says, I'm the vine. He's talking the relationship that they're going to have with Him and with the Father as He now releases them to continue the ministry which He had started. And so Jesus says to them, I'm the vine, you're the vine. my Father's the vine dresser, uh, and, 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 you are, and he goes, and you are a branch. Abide in me as you branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And we're going to go down to verse 9 then. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Let's go back to verse 9. There's more we're going to talk about here. Jesus says, all right, here's, here's the relationship we're going to have between me and the church, between me and you as individuals. I am the vine. What does the vine do? The vine is what holds up the branches. The vine is what the life of sap flows through out into the branch. But the vine doesn't produce the fruit. The vine supports the branches, and the vine produces the fruit through the branches. And Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, and you're the branch. Every branch in me that is in me will bear fruit. He talked earlier about how the father will, if you're bearing fruit, the, the, the husband will prune the branch so it bears more fruit. And as I was squirming with this message, God began to show me this is a pruning that's taking place in you, just as I believe God wants to do a pruning in many of you also. And so he's now going to talk about what is this life? What's the, the sap? The life of the vine is the sap that flows up through the vine and out through the branches. So what is the sap? What is the, the, the life that flows up through Christ as the, as the vine and that is to flow out through us as branches and that's to be the fruit at the end of the branch? And that's what he says here in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. 
So Jesus is saying, the love that's in me, the life that's in me, the sap that's in me, has come from my Father. As I, as the Father's loved me, I have also loved you. And here's what he's saying to them. Abide, remain in, vitally connected. Abide in my love. Live in my love. The love that the Father's had for me, I've given to you. Now your job is to live in that love that I've given you. We're talking about what is the will of the Father. If you keep my commandments, now we're getting back to Lord. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So see, he's not saying, as the Father's loved me, I've loved you, abide in my love. So we'll just all sit around and go, I love you, you love me. Isn't this wonderful just to sit and bask in the love of God? I am experiencing the love of God. So many of us are not experiencing the love of God because we're not doing what the Word says to do to experience the love of God. But He has an answer for us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, I've always thought of the commandments of some strict rules we got to go obey whether we want to or not. And when we get before Him, we're going to give an account of whether I did, did you do what I said to do? And I've seen them through so many years as a requirement that I probably don't want to do, but I've got to do if I'm going to be a good Christian and if He's going to smile at me in that day. And I see, I've just, the last year, God's had me meditating in John 15. God's had me meditating in John 15 and now in just certain verses. It's amazing when you just focus on certain verses what the Holy Spirit's be able to bring out the depth. As the Father's loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, now, I don't have any sense as I've read through the New Testament of the Father regretting the love that He had to show to His Son. Ah, I've got to help Him out again. I've got oh, to throw my, flow my power through him again. Oh, he's coming and asking me for things again. You don't see that. All you see him saying, I think three times, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And on the other side, I don't see Jesus saying, oh, I've got to keep his commandments today. I did it yesterday. In fact, Jesus says several places, I only do what I see my Father doing. And I only say what I hear my Father saying. In other words, I come totally with my words, with my thoughts, and with my deeds am submitted to the will of the Father, which is why Jesus could say to His disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. The question is, if we've seen you, if we've seen me, have we seen Jesus? Moving right along. So Jesus is saying here, the way you abide in my love is by keeping my commandments. Remember we saw in the beginning, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the will of my Father? So here he's connecting the same things. He says, he says the way you abide in my love is to do my commandments. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments 
and abide in His love. So the way I've abided in His love is the same way I'm telling you to abide in my love. I've abided in my Father's love by keeping His commandments. I only did what He said to do. I only said what He told me to say. And now He's going to explain. These things I've spoken to you, notice this, that you may have a tough time, that it may be so hard on you, that you may get up every morning saying, oh, it's going to be so hard to obey Him. No, verse 11 says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is trying to give them His love, His joy. And He said, all I'm doing is I'm going to give it to you the same way I've received it. I've received this joy from my Father because I've done His commandments and by doing His commandments, I am living in and enjoying and being filled up with His love for me. See, we've wanted to... I'm just talking about me. You can just listen in. I've wanted to sit here and say, Lord, I, I need more of your love. I need to know more of your love. Lord, I need to know more love. And he's saying, uh, yeah, but you've got to do what I said. See, we want to be, I want to be, I'll just put it on me, a receptacle of God's love. I need more love. I need to know your love more. And he's saying, but I've given you the answer. You're not doing the answer. You can just listen in. I'm just sharing my testimony today. And here it is, verse 12 in case there's any question about it, in case there's any confusion about it, this is my commandment. Real simple. That you love one another. Oh, we all love one another. We're so glad to see one another this morning and say, oh, it's good to see some of you I haven't seen for a while. Or Wednesday night I saw some I haven't seen for a while. And this is great. The people, it's coming back. and It's wonderful. It's like, love you. It's love seeing you. Great, brother and sister. So good. Love you. You love me. Wonderful. But he adds those five words on the end. As I have loved you. And then he tells us how he's loved us. Greater, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than that he lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Notice here several things. I said it earlier. This is not a law being imposed upon us. It's a principle of life in the kingdom of God. It's how the life that was in the Father got into the Son. And how the life that's in the Son wants to get in and flow through us and produce fruit. So when you hear my commandment, he's not with a big gavel handing down some law. He's trying to teach us a principle that will produce the Zoe, the God kind of life in you and through you. I've been praying for years of Ephesians 3, 15 through 20, that we may fill up with all the fullness of God. And God's saying, it's, in, it's been there all along. Here's how you release it. Notice it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. There's one thing about a commandment that's always very simple. We just don't like to look at it. There are only two possible responses to a commandment. A suggestion you can entertain, you can think about, you can talk about, but a commandment has only two possible responses. 
Obedience or disobedience? But Satan likes to create gray areas. Well, what does he mean by that? I mean, that's what he did in the garden. That's how he got them off track to begin with. What what does that really mean? Well, how do I apply that in my life? God's commandments are very clear and very simple. Of any tree of the garden you may eat, but of the tree of the garden, in the middle of the garden, of good, of good, not good, you shall not eat. Real come, don't eat it. <laughs> and I told you the tree not to eat. Very clear. Satan comes into the garden to try to bring confusion by asking questions about what did God mean and why was he asked, telling you to do, what's the purpose behind the law? And the moment we get into that arena, we've questioned God's commandment, and because there are only two alternatives, we've chosen to disobey it by not obeying it. So when it comes down to this commandment, we've got to look at it that way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Don't do my Father's will. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay his life down for his friends. So what does that mean? What, what does it mean to lay my life down for my friends? Lay my life down. Well, it could mean a number of things, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, today, and then next time we'll get into some application of this. It's possible it could require you to lay down your physical life. It's not likely that that can happen, but it could literally require you at some point to lay down your physical... Jesus laid down His physical life that we might have the salvation that we enjoy and look forward to. But He means far more than that. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says this principle, He says in several other places. Basically He says, Whoever desires to keep his life shall lose it. And whoever is willing to lose his life for my sake shall keep it. Well, he can't be talking about physical life, because if you lose your life to keep it, you'll die. So he must be talking about something else, something else that in some ways is far more painful than giving up our physical life. Because giving up our physical life, you can only do once and you get over with. All right. If I'm going to physically die so my wife can live, it may be painful, it may be difficult, but it's over. But the dying he's talking about is daily. Sometimes it's hourly. Sometimes it's moment by moment. So what is this? It's our self-life. My purposes. My interests. Everything is oriented around me. That's what was promoted in the garden. It's putting the needs of others' interest before mine. It means crossing the boundaries of my life, my, my comfort zone. And this is where God started messing with me. My security, my interests. These are excuses that we come up with for not obeying this commandment. Well, Lord, I'll get around to it, but, but it's not convenient for me right now. It's not convenient for me right now. I, I'm just really not, I'm not comfortable talking to people. I'm not comfortable doing certain things. 
It's outside my comfort zone. Or, or I'm not wired that way. That's not my personality. It, it's really not my, my interest. It's not the kind of thing I'm, I'm interested in. Or any other my that stops me from really caring about you. And this is where God began to really meddle with me. My personality and my basic makeup is that I'm very comfortable standing up here talking to a group of people. Because the gifting that God's given me is what I have confidence in that will take over. He takes that gift away, I'm running for the door. Because, and you will too. Because I've got nothing to share with you that will be beneficial to your life. And so the gifting that God's given me and the grace that God has given to me enables me to do this. But for reasons that I don't want to get into about my childhood and things like that, I'm not comfortable doing some other things. I'm not comfortable on the phone. I'll talk on the phone if I have to. But for me to pick up a phone and call somebody, I have to push through a comfort zone. It's just not something I am comfortable doing. There are other things I'm not comfortable doing. I'm not comfortable in, you know, (laughs) hospital visits. To me, the hospital is the last place I want to go for any reason, especially for me, but also it's not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable doing certain things. It makes me uncomfortable. There's some areas where, where I don't feel secure going. And so the tendency is we build around our lives boundaries without really even thinking about them that I'm just not ready to cross unless I really have to cross it. But these boundaries, God didn't put them there. I've put them there or they've been put there through experiences or things like that. And we call them comfort zones. And what God is calling us to do, calling me to do, calling all of us to do, is for me to cross that comfort zone is to die a little bit to myself. To put someone else's interest above mine. As a pastor, I have the occasion sometimes to have people that disagree with me. (laughs) I have occasion sometimes to people not only just disagree with me, they publish their disagreement with me. As a pastor, I have occasion, not just me, I have occasion for people to express their disagree with me, and sometimes in more civil terms than others. And so I have to deal sometimes, and it's not just me, but I'm the senior pastor, so mainly I'm the lightning rod for these things. And many times I have to make a decision, people don't understand why I've made the decision, and I can't publish why I've made the decision, so people assume their own reasons of why I've done what I've done, and I can't explain why I did what I did, because there are private interests at stake. So I have to take the brunt of that. And I'm not sharing that with you to complain, it's that it gives me the opportunity to die to myself, to not strike back, to not get on the internet and defend myself, to not, and instead to do what I talked about on Wednesday night, is to pray for those people. I had several incidences this lately where um, uh, uh, people have either confronted me with an issue or, uh, or, or expressed with very emotional terms some issue that I didn't even know they had with me. All right? And it's very easy to defend myself. It's very easy to put it off. It's very easy to say, you know, well, you're wrong, I'm right, and then the relationship's broken. 
The fellowship's broken. God began to deal with me about reaching out to some of these people and trying to build a bridge and understand and try to listen to them. Because I don't know if you've ever gotten in an argument with anybody, and if you're married, you know what I'm talking about, and you get into this argument because you really haven't listened to where your spouse is coming from. You haven't really heard her. God dealt with me a long time ago. It's not that I have always done this. That I really don't have a right to criticize Anita for something unless I've really heard her heart as to why she did it or didn't do it. That can often happen in the context of children because very often mothers and fathers see an issue from a very different perspective. She will experience that as a mother with compassion and caring regardless of whether they're still two years old or they're now almost 50 years old. And she'll react and respond very often as a mother. Well, I'm a father. I'm more concerned with did they learn this principle? Are they going to be prepared for life, for the hard things of life? I'm more focused on an issue, on, on, on a target of getting them somewhere. And she's more f- she wants to kiss their boo-boos, you know, hold them and nurture them, no matter what age they are. And so that can be a basis for conflict because I'm trying to go one direction and she's pulling the other direction. But we had to realize I have to, and again, I don't do this all the time, that I have to listen to what's affecting her heart before I can really speak into that heart. But that's not just true for husbands and wives. That's true for one another. And that's one of the reasons we're going to do this forum is to give us an opportunity to share the burden that some of you carry and for us that don't carry that burden to listen with our heart to your heart. And I'm I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm going to run out of time before I get there. But that's okay. We don't have to finish this today. So, what are the areas that this covers? First of all, physical needs. I don't like this one either. I'm basically giving you a list of issues God deals with me about. So pray for me, please. That's another thing I have. Please, instead of sending me video clips, pray for me. Instead of sending me advice, please pray for me. Because I get advice and video clips on both sides of the issue. What do I do with that if I'm trying to please everybody? And and I pray for other pastors because they're dealing with different situations. Their congregation is made up of different people different backgrounds. They need God's wisdom of how to lead their congregation just as I need God's wisdom of how to lead this congregation. What did I tell? Oh, John, 1 John chapter 3. What's in the wrong place here? Here we go. By this, verse John three sixteen. By this we know love. That's what we're talking about. Because He laid His life down for, his, for us. Just talking about what it means to lay your life down for others. And we also ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. There it is again. So he's going to give us an example. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So one of the ways of laying our life down for our friends is meeting their physical needs, their material needs, if we have the ability to do that. And the normal human selfish reaction is, yeah, but I may not have enough. Or I'm not comfortable going to them with this. And so that's my life I'm holding on to, and I have to be willing to let go of my life and care more about 
your needs than I do mine. Let me tell you what happened with this situation because I, I, I don't want to miss this. And we'll go, we're not, we won't finish this today. So God had me call and talk to two different people this week that did not agree with something I was doing. And I called simply with the purpose of listening to what they wanted to say to me. Whether they got angry at me, just to, to, just to listen with my heart to where they were coming from. And it diffused the whole situation. And it began to create a bond there that, was, that, that Satan was trying to de- destroy, a bond that wasn't even there before, a bond of understanding. Now, that, for some people, that's easy. For some of us, especially males, this is more challenging. But there's nothing in the Bible that tells men to handle this different from women. We're commanded to do this for one another. Remember, it's a commandment. I'm, this is it's on record. This is going to be out publicly. <laughs> but it's what God's Word says. I'm commanded to listen to my wife. I said it, see? I've got to move on quickly to the next one because this is, that's the easy part. So first thing is sharing our f- f- for physical needs. Second is compassion on others. Willing to be identified with who they are and what they need. And Jesus is our example for this. John chapter 1 verse 14, famous verse, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But in order to understand that, we're not going to look back there, but the first two verses say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word there it's talking about is not the Bible in your lap. The Word He's talking about there is, is, is Jesus before He became a man, the second person of the Godhead. And I was thinking about this this morning as we were praying, as I was praying and just meditating on this, God could have just sent Jesus to f- appear somewhere in the wilderness and walk into Jerusalem or walk into Bethlehem or walk into Nazareth. But He didn't do that. And there are some reasons, other, well, I don't want to get into this morning, why He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Because then He would have come back as God among men and women. Instead, He came into this earth the same way you and I came into this earth. A seed, in this case it came from the Holy Spirit, was conceived in the, wa- in the womb of a woman, a young woman. And it had to grow and mature in her womb just like you had to grow and mature in your mother's womb. And at the appropriate time, that child, the Son of God, now a man, a baby in that womb, had to come forth through the birth canal and through the pangs of birth the same way you did which obviously you don't remember had to grow and mature and learn had to be nourished at his mother's breasts had to have his diapers changed you imagine how humiliating that must have been for God to have to have his diapers changed I ever think about that I think about things like that but the point is this in order to be identified with us, He was willing to come 
to where we are without cheating in any way, without shortcutting in any way, so that he could become one of us. We've got to go on to what, why he did this. Philippians chapter 2. You got it up there? Let this mind be in you also which was in Christ Jesus. Go ahead. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he was equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. That in the Greek means he emptied himself of all the attributes that he had as God. Taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself even more and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Why did he do that? So he could redeem you and me. And he didn't do that because we were worthy to be redeemed. He didn't do that because there was some value in us intrinsically. He didn't do that because we were good or we were a little better than somebody else. We were his enemies, the Bible said. And he came to listen to us. To be touched, it says in Hebrews, with the feeling of our infirmities, to be experience what it's like to deal with temptation, it says, and yet he never sinned. But it wasn't a shortcut, it wasn't easy for him. He had to resist it like you and I do. And Hebrews 2 said, says he did this. Well, let's go to Hebrews 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him from whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and who is being sanctified are one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Next verse that you have. Inasmuch then as the children, that's us, partake of or wear flesh and blood, he am likewise shared in the same became identified with us, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil. We'll stop there. Have the same mind in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. So can I be willing enough to listen to what you're going through and care enough about what you're going through that I can begin to be touched by what you're going through? If he could do this for us, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It's not based on whether we deserved it. It's not based on whether we were right or wrong. So the commandment that we have to love one another and here the application is just to listen. To care enough to listen is not based on whether you're right or wrong. See, when I listen to her, it doesn't mean I'm agreeing with her. It means I'm willing to be touched with what's bothering her, what's understanding. And it's amazing what that will do in a marriage. You just begin to listen to one another. Because when you listen to somebody, you validate them. You say, well, I don't have to agree with you or don't agree with you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm acknowledging that you're a person that has a right to feel the way you feel. You, you may be wrong, but the feelings are real. What you're going through is real. And actually, I mean, I've learned things by listening to her that I didn't understand before. I've learned things by listening to people that I didn't realize. And I've found that God, very often, we want to be led by the Spirit. Oh God, I'm going to hear from the Spirit. But you know God speaks to us primarily through this Word, and God speaks to us primarily through other people. Not just the pastor speaking from a pulpit. 
I learned things by listening to these two people this week. I learned things about me. I learned things about the congregation. I learned things by being willing to put the barriers down, put my judgments down, and just open my heart and hear where they were coming from. The power. Pastor Michael did a great message a few months ago on listening. You might want to go back and pull that podcast up or pull it off of YouTube. Well, there are several more things that, that get even more fun, uh, which we'll put off until, until next time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your graciousness and your goodness, your patience with us. Oh, Father, your patience with us. Oh, the things you have to listen and hear from us, things we don't even know we're saying. We use your name all over the place. Oh, God, this, and oh, God, that. And we don't even think of what we're saying. And you're so patient with us, so kind, so gentle, so understanding. And you've called us to love one another with that same patience, that same understanding. And Father, we can't do that in ourselves, and you're not expecting us to do that in ourselves. Jesus said the love that you've given to him, he's given to us and we're to give to one another. So it's not a love that's natural to us, it's your love in us. Father, as we go into this week, whatever situations face us today, tomorrow or through this week, as we encounter other people where they don't agree with us, where there's conflict, May you bring back to us this word that Jesus gave to his disciples. Abide in my love as I have done my father's and I've given my love to you. This is my commandment. And now we trust this to the Holy Spirit to unpack it in our lives and give us the application. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close the service, We always want to give this opportunity.